The Process, a podcast about creativity and experimental music. In the world of experimental music, outcomes and accolades for creators can be uncertain and at times seem far and few between. Therefore, creators and practitioners of experimental music must embrace the one thing they will always have complete control over, the process. This podcast aims to understand this creative process by listening to new works and discussing them with their creators. Each episode focuses on one creator and their music. Understanding how and why they create can inform aspiring creatives and help audiences better understand and navigate experimental music. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and I'll be your host as we explore the world of experimental music, creativity, and the human need to find purpose in their world and lives. This is The Process. Stephanie Lukowski's initial compositional efforts involved developing unusual timbres on her mother's Wurlitzer organ and experimenting with sound collages in her high school electronic music studio. These early explorations nurtured Stephanie's interest in creating sound worlds guided by harmony and punctuated by melody. Her main sources of inspiration are literature and the natural world. She went on to study music and technology and guitar performance at Connecticut College in New London, Connecticut, and received her master's in composition from the New England Conservatory. Stephanie has written for orchestra, voice, various chamber ensembles, and electronic media. She has been commissioned by New Gallery Concert Series, the Fourth Wall Ensemble, Transient Canvas, Charles River Wind Ensemble, Naked Eye Ensemble, Departure Duo, Marimbist Matt Chirac, and soprano Elizabeth Holiday Kwan. Stephanie received her doctorate in composition from Boston University. Stephanie is the recipient of a Massachusetts Cultural Council Music Composition Finalist Grant for 2015. She currently serves as Development and Publications Manager at the Boston Modern Orchestra Project and teaches composition and theory at Concord Academy. On today's episode, we listen to Right Now in a Second, performed and commissioned by Transient Canvas.
a lot of time I'll start with a sound in mind. Like I have a sound, not necessarily a specific timbre, but maybe the way the pieces, I want it to sound in total um, or an idea of how the sound is, you know, what the trajectory of the piece is going to be. You know, sometimes I'll start with, with an idea of relationships, pitch relationships, rhythm relationships, timbre relationships, instrumental relationships uh, that I want to explore in the piece and how I want those to evolve over the course of the piece. Sometimes it just comes from listening to the players and what I know they can do and what I think is interesting in what I've heard them do and what I want to explore. But it all kind of starts with some sort of impression of what I want to do. Where do you normally get these ideas or, or these concepts of what about this relationship? Where do those normally come from? Are you like watching a movie? Are you in rehearsal? I've realized over the course of the pandemic, actually, because mm-hmm. because I've been starved for these experiences, sure. is that a lot of it comes from listening to other music or listening to people play. Yeah. Um, and also being out in the world and listening to things, you know, the way the train sounds as it comes out of a tunnel or the way a conversation sounds if you overhear it mm-hmm. from a distance, mm-hmm. wind in trees, things like that. And because I'm just not out and about that much, right. <laughs> um, I'm really missing that. But just the sounds around me or my experiences of other music. Okay, so let's say you're we're, we're in pandemic times here. So you, you know, like you said, you hear the wind blowing through the trees. Uh, this this in, this inspires you in some way. This makes you think about a possible musical relationship that you could write about. What do you do next? Where do you go? do you go to pencil and paper? What's your next step in the process? If it's a if it's a very natural sound like something out in the world that is produced regularly, I might actually go and record it. Yeah, I take it home and sort of analyze the recording. Um, you know, a spectral analysis or, or whatever, just sure. to get an idea of what's in there. I don't have perfect pitch, right. so yeah. it's not like I can listen to, you know, the sound of, of you know, a buzz or something right. and say like, aha, that's a G. Or like or a train and be like, oh, it's a, <laughs> you know, it's a C major chord or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I can't do that yeah. just on the fly. No. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I might take it and, and analyze it. And then I might, with pencil and paper and like, I don't really compose at an instrument, but I might use a keyboard or something to just like try out some sounds and think about what that would be like. I wrote a piece based on the sound of cicadas because I really love the sound of cicadas. And um, I took a recording, not one I made actually, because it's very hard to make a good recording of cicadas. Are these the seven year cicadas or are these the everyday the, the, um, the garden variety. <laughs> uh, no, they're the. Um, so I determined which which cicadas mm-hmm. um, were prevalent in the area I grew up, and it turns out it's the dog day lyra cicada. I think is dog the dog day lyra cicada. Okay, something like that. Yep. And then, and then I found a recording online, and I used that recording and I analyzed it and to determine like what because what really interested me about the sound was the pitch shift. Sure the way that it changes pitch. So I analyzed that to see exactly how much it changed. And, and then I, I picked some pitches and went, went for it. I, I did an outside orchestra recording concert series in my youth. And as the orchestra would get louder, the cicadas would get louder to compete with <laughs> the orchestra. So, um, yeah. you know, you said with cicadas, you're analyzing the, the pitches, right? Or you're saying right. the change in, in pitch. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what happens is that I don't think about the sound 
that's inspiring me as a whole. I think about what is what is it about this sound that is most interesting to me? Mm. And then I figure out how that works. Um, and that, that can be, you know, instrumental sounds too. I think in, in right now in a second, I was really interested in like the softer side of the marimba mm-hmm. with, with sort of soft mallets and very soft attacks and the way that the clarinet can have a very subtle attack and release, the way that those things interacted. So we're hearing Transient Canvas, which is Amy Advocate on bass clarinet and Matt Sharrick on marimba. And there's also a snare drum in there. Um, not usually part of the ensemble, but I asked. Yeah. And and why were you interested in snare? Because they, they often play uh, together, but I've heard they sometimes have rules about not including extra yeah. percussion or... Right. Yeah. They, they usually don't, mm-hmm. but but I had a very strong idea and I talked to Matt about it right. and he, he agreed. Um, because this piece is about, is, is really about small sounds and very intimate, soft sounds mm-hmm. and the way they can evolve and also the way that um, they can put other kinds of sounds into relief, mm-hmm. you know, the, the contrast between different sounds. Mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to get those kind of subtle white noise, breathy sounds. And one of my favorite ways to get that is um, brushes or rubbing um, a snare drum. On the snare, yeah. You can't really get an equivalent sound on the marimba. So um, I really wanted to use that. And so we we just decided to include it in the piece. Yeah, because that sort of corresponds to what's happening in the clarinet with the yeah. uh, sort of 
breathing through the instrument and what was what was the overarching theme of this piece um it's it's kind of implicit in the name and i feel like it's one of those pieces where it's like it's named what it's named because it does what it says it's going to do um but (laughs) but for you what was your what was you talked about relationships right so what were the what was the maybe relationship that 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 inspired this initially the the inspiration comes from um I, I was listening to a lot of relaxation and ASMR videos on YouTube yeah. uh, because I, I suffer from insomnia sure. occasionally. Sure. And, and, and those actually really help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was really fascinated with the variation of, of these small sounds, uh, these small sounds that I think we think of as almost incidental. Right. They, they're not the intentional sound. Yep. Often, or they're necessary um, to produce the pitch we want. We have to have a breath, right, or we right. have to, yeah, right. Yeah. Or even on the videos, you know, like the sound of someone smoothing fabric. Like that's not something that that's incidental to an activity. That usually isn't the activity itself. Right. And um, and how the, these small like, accidental sounds can have a kind of a big effect. You know, can make. They were certainly really making a big impression on me in that it was helping me to relax and sleep. Right. And and I thought about equivalent sounds mm-hmm. uh, on other instruments. And again, one of my favorites is is the way that the clarinet sound can can start from and end with a breathy sound. Yeah. yeah. And and the way that that is kind of an incidental sound in the clarinet or traditionally has been not the point, sure, right. not the main sound, but, you know, something that happens around the main sound. And then, you know, the equivalent in marimba and percussion. And I thought about how those sounds from those instruments could interact. The piece uh, at the very beginning, it feels very pointillistic to me. And mm-hmm. as the piece progresses, I noticed there's then this relationship between these sort of more pointillistic and sort of temporary sounds and sort of longer, more overlapping uh, sounds. I, I wanted to start out concentrating on, on each moment, concentrating on the sound in the moment and really having the listener kind of bathe in that sound. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really about where you're going. It's about where you are. Well, right now. Right. And, and really, you know, experience that sound, like give the listener time to experience mm-hmm. each sound, but then also I wanted to grow and develop those sounds. Right. And and yes, in the beginning, it's very pointillistic. I didn't want to create a sense of melody or a really strong linear sense, but just a sort of a moment by moment, you know, listen to this sound in this moment and then having those grow. And silence, right? So the silence was a way to just put, you know, here's a sound, silence, so it can kind of sit yeah. in that space. Yeah, I put a lot of space in between, you know, what we would think of as events Mm -hmm. so that, yeah, there's a sense of like just this right here, right now. You know, one thing that I observed as the first section and sort of the first half proceeds, those pointillistic things become more active. The parts almost seem more frenetic. The the second half of the piece where it's it's very frenetic and definitely loud. Yeah. I thought of it in terms of of building up these small sounds into kind of this unexpected contrast. Mm-hmm. I also was really thinking about and interested in like how how we experience things, you know, whether it's temperature or sounds or sights. Mm-hmm 
in relationship to each other. A metaphor I used with my students once was, you know, you can't appreciate how warm the room you're sitting in is unless you go outside on that two degree day. Right. And then you come back in and you think, wow, it really is like nice and toasty in here. Yeah. Or it's um, too hot in here. I'll have that a lot of right, times like, oh, it's right. too warm in here now. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But you really feel, you can really yeah. feel the the temperature or whatever, whatever it is you're experiencing almost like only in reference to its opposite. Right. And then it quickly right. dissipates. Yeah. The sort of loud, exciting part quickly dissipates in that piece. I, I was also really interested in the drama of, of the absence of sound. Mm -hmm. the, this loud section to, to culminate in some big burst, but it, it doesn't. It, it, I wanted to try creating drama by dropping out. Right. Dropping the sound out rather than like having it build up to, a, to an expected Right. We could have had like a real formal melody or a real formal, like something really big, like a, a Schwatner moment. I was talking yeah. with yeah. another composer about yeah. the mountains yeah. rising nowhere Schwatner moment and like not doing that and like staying, staying yeah. away from that. In a way, the big moment was uh, non-climax climax. Yeah, I, I, I got that actually um, from, it's Schnitke's second string quartet. I think the second movement, mm -hmm. there's an enormous amount of activity. Right. <laughs> and then there's a measure of, maybe it's two measures. It's at least a measure of silence. Yeah. And I, when I listen to that piece, I think I'm, I, at no other point am I as like on edge, just waiting for what's going to happen next as that measure of silence. Right. And, and I was thinking, of, of, I was very much thinking about that. Like, it's almost like an inverse climax. And it's more exciting than sometimes what will actually happen. Right. Or it's it's like in a horror movie when you're the monster you or the ghost yep. or mm -hmm. seems so like mm -hmm. horrible and, and frightening. And then you see it and you're like, oh. Oh, you're like, that's really bad CGI. That's Yeah. Or the, wow, that paper mache didn't <laughs> yeah, age well. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but sometimes it's the horror movies where you never Absolutely. really see it. Absolutely. You never really see the whole monster that yeah. uh, that are the scariest. Right. And I was thinking about those kind of ideas, how how absence, yeah. how taking something away can be more exciting than building it up sometimes.
what is a creative domain? And I thought about it from some different angles. I mean, the one thing I I do want to say is that for me, I don't see my creative domain Mm -hmm. as a fixed thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I see it as maybe encompassing all of my interests and all of the things that go into uh, the pieces I create Mm -hmm. and where I get my inspiration and all of those things. But I also see it as something that shifts and changes and grows over time. I never really liked the idea of, of having kind of a static, like this is the thing that I do as a composer. Um, I mean, these are the things I do now, but I can't say that, you know, I can or want to, or even should be doing those things 10 years, the same things 10 years from now. My interests are are wide and I like making a, a, a wide range of music. I like listening to a wide range of music. So, and, and lately um, I've gotten back into making, you know, non-classical music right. like punk rock and metal and, um, and uh, you know, even like getting into working on some ambient mm-hmm. electronica yeah. type stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess, yeah, I would say the creative domain is like, all of the things I'm interested in, all of the things that go into a piece and all of the things that come out of those interests. But it's it's this amorphous shifting thing. So related to that, um, I think when I think about, you know, defining your creative domain, what about composers or music creators or people that write music that identify as uh, a band? I'm a band composer or I'm an uh, electroacoustic composer. Um, how, how do you feel about people who sort of do plant their flag in a, in a certain style or approach? I, I don't, you know, no, I, don't feel not, <laughs> I don't, I don't have, you know, I don't look down on them or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, have sort of pejorative feelings. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we all have kind of what our interests are, what, what we find stimulating to do. And also maybe what works for us, you know, as a composer, like I've never really tried to, to break into like orchestral composing because that's just not something that's going to work for me right now. And I Mm -hmm. am very satisfied writing, you know, more chamber works right now. Um, You know, and if a person discovers that like writing band pieces really, really works for them mm-hmm. and, you know, helps them uh, carve out a career, like, great, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'm just not a person who wants to write a manifesto or plant a flag or, right, right. or any of that, but I know it works for people and that's that's great. Well, Stephanie, this has been uh, fantastic. It's been great hearing about you and your music and, and your process. Before I let you go, is there uh, a place that people can go to find out more about you and your music? I have a website, stephanielubkowski.com. Uh, my first name is spelled with an F. Uh, but yeah, most of my, my website has sounds and uh, links to SoundCloud and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And even some of the performances, I think we, we were even, I think there's a performance of right now in a second on there as well. Yep. There's a, there's a video of a performance that happened in Boston maybe two years ago. Thanks to Stephanie for sharing her time and music with us. If you enjoyed this episode, check out other episodes in the series 
And as always, like, subscribe, and leave a comment on your preferred podcasting app. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and this has been The Process.